Welcome to the Just By My Vote podcast. I am Joseph Simmons, the host and also author of the new book, Just By My Vote, African-American Voting Rights and the Chicago Condition. Well, I feel like I hit a home run today. Mr. Raymond Lambert is a social entrepreneur, a published author, and a filmmaker, founder of All Jokes Aside Comedy Clubs, and so much more. Mr. Raymond Lambert, welcome to the Just By My Vote podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Uh, I'd like to jump right into this if we could, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Please tell us, sir, who you are and how you got there. Okay. Uh, my name is Raymond Lambert, and I am a producer on the new documentary, Punch Nine for Harold Washington, um, which tells the story I'm sure we're going to be talking about. I have been in documentary filmmaking for about 12 years now, um, sort of just stumbled into it. And uh, one film led to another, to another. And this is the latest, the latest project, which, uh, uh, as we'll probably talk a little bit more, I, I didn't want to do it. But anyway, I'll at the end of the show, I'm sure we'll get to why I thought it was important. <laughs> but anyway, so I, 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 uh, I, I'm a filmmaker. And uh, yeah, this is my, I think, fifth documentary film. How did you get into filmmaking? So I, I was in the comedy, stand-up comedy business for about a decade. And after that, someone asked me if I would be willing to tell that story. And I had no idea. I knew nothing about documentary filmmaking. And I thought, sure, I think it was a it was an interesting story. I didn't know it would make a great documentary. Um, and I went on this journey to make that story. They said, oh, it'll only take a year. It took three years to make it. And that was called Funny Business um, that uh, aired on Showtime. And from that documentary did well, folks that would call me and say, hey, would you be interested in working on my documentary. And so I joined a couple other teams. Uh, Maya Angelo, we did really well with that. We wanted Peabody for that one. Um, and then after this one, after Maya, I said, I'm quitting because it takes too long, pays too little. It's, uh, it's just really, really difficult. And uh, once I learned more about Harold Washington and what he meant to so many people and what I think he's still relevant to this day, I thought, well, I'll make one more. Let, let, let's do one more before I before I toss in the towel. Uh, you mentioned Maya Angelou. Um, well, tell us a little bit about that project. So that came about with this uh, group called Media Process Group, which is based here in Chicago, Bob Hercules and Keith Walker. And they um, told the first, that was the first documentary ever about her life. She didn't want to do it. She was reluctant. She's like, look, I wrote, I don't know, 100 books. There, there's enough about me. Why do I want to do this? And the idea was to convince her that if it's not on video, it's really hard these days for people to uh, to get the story. And it's really important, not just for you, but for future generations to celebrate all the work that you have done. So I joined that team um, in the middle of it. And actually, she passed during the making. So she never got to see the, wow. the actual film, okay. but, but all the raw footage and material. So, so, so she was done with her part of it. But um, so I got to know her through that process, which was pretty, pretty amazing. Interesting. Yes. Very interesting. Uh, shift gears just a little bit. Sure. Uh, tell us about the Punch Nine Her for Harold Washington. So this came about a gentleman, the director's name is Joe Winston from Chicago. I'm not from Chicago. I moved to Chicago in the early 90s. 
So Harold okay. was, I wasn't here during that period of time. Um, and Joe had an interest in Harold because he went to, uh, he went to Kenwood Academy in, in, in uh, same neighborhood that Harold's, they lived actually. And he covered mm-hmm. Harold as a student at Kenwood. He didn't got to do an interview of Harold while he was in office. And wow. he was in a conversation just flippantly with someone who was saying how um, difficult and how what a shame the things that Obama was going through with the Republican Party. And Joe just flippantly said, well, don't you remember Harold Washington? And the people were like, no, we don't. So he <laughs> says, well, this is not, this is the same playbook that they use against him. And this is not new. He said, well, let me find a documentary and I'll find it. And then you can watch it and learn more about him. And when he went to search for that documentary, he couldn't find it. So he's like, mm. and he's a filmmaker by training. Um, he's like, I got to make this film. And then that's when he, one of the first calls he made was to me to see if I was interested in producing with him on this project. Okay. And what, what uh, I understand, I mean, it caught my attention sure. because you're going to be here at UNLV. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that project. Sure. So um, Harold in the 80s, the early 80s, when he decided to run um, for mayor of Chicago, it was a it was considered a pivotal moment in American uh, American politics, um, not just for Chicago, because the idea was that if you could get a black man elected mayor in a city like Chicago, which, by the way, people like Martin Luther King said it was the most racist, segregated city he had been in in his life. And that includes right. Mississippi, Alabama and Georgia. Yeah. The idea that a little over a decade later from King's time in Chicago, that you could actually elect a black man as mayor was just unfathomable. It, it was it was just like, that's impossible. Nobody's taking it serious. Um, but he was able to uh, garner this coalition uh, of folks that represented the city and for once give them the confidence that maybe we can be mayor of this city. And um, he was the right man at the right time um, for the job. And and with that became, um, Jesse Jackson says this in the movie, um, at the time he was elected, he was the most popular black elected official in in America. So it was much bigger than the city of Chicago. It was was actually um, an international story, the way it was covered. And people recognize it. We've screened for folks all over the country. As a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, some folks from London screened it for uh, a possible screening over there sometime. We, we expect sometime next spring. And they go, we remember this story. And I'm like, what? But, but, <laughs> but that's, how, that's how extensive it was covered. So that's why ultimately I said, I got to be a part of this because this, this, uh, this is important and we're facing many of those same issues again. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. I know that um, uh, many of us that, you know, study that period of time, we kind of romanticize about that movement in Chicago and how it came about. Uh, Question I have for you is, is, you know, you're in Chicago now. Is that very different from the coalition that Mayor Brandon Johnson brought about? It's very, very similar. It's very, it's very progressive. It's very diverse. Um, I think 
I think Harold makes those kinds of things possible. You know what I mean? So, so, so his shadow is still, and I say deservingly so, it, it's still there for people to say, well, remember when we all came together and we sat around the table and it, nobody's going to win everything, but we, right. we sort of came together to make the city a better place. And I think some of that is still carried over into, I think, probably Lori Lightfoot's uh, campaign, I think, and carrying over to Brandon. I think even more so for Brandon, this is Raymond Lambert talking, um, okay. because he's born and raised in Chicago. I think there's something to be said about that, um, um, that idea that, you know, th- this is, uh, this is uh, a Chicago win, as they say. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so, right. Yep. For and, sure. and he's got a lot of work to do. Oh, yeah. He's got, I don't, it's a, you know, it's a difficult job and it's a difficult time um, to do it. I think um, one of the things I think is overlooked about Harold is how prepared he was for that job. And I mean, he was 60 years old when he was, and 60 was 60 in 1983. You know what I mean? It wasn't the new 40 or all that stuff. He was a, he was a very experienced, um, uh, person, not to mention how intelligent and smart he was, but he had he had been in the game for for years. Um, not to mention he grew up in the machine with his father. So, I, I think I think that's I think often that's under underappreciated about how much work it's necessary to be ready for some so an opportunity like that. So, but yeah. He's got a big job. Yeah, yeah. My and and my study about Harold was that you know it wasn't the first time he had run. That's right. And uh, you know the second time around, he said to to the citizens that were supporters, he said, "Hey, you all get out in front and show me what you got <laughs> <Right>. before <laughs> before I jump on this bandwagon." Exactly. Here, right? That story and it's so it's so. Um, we only are limited to a hundred minutes, and in Hollywood, it said they think it's too long. So we couldn't even get into the 1977 election, which we really wanted to, because most people don't know he ran in 77. They, they don't have a clue. Right. Um, and I think that's an important part, what you just said, is this is why he wanted to do it the way he did it and insisted on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, and Harold, of course, he maintains that, you know, the 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 mayor's the people's mayor. Yes. You know, because he could walk into the room and light people up. He was a jolly fellow. Right. Yes, absolutely. Which may have contributed to uh, what happened in the end. Sure. I think so. Uh, we don't. I don't know if you talk at all about uh, his death or mm-hmm. what happened or any of that in the documentary. Yes, we do. We 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 take it head on because um, we know that, you know, depending on who you talk to, and including me going into making this film, if somebody was to say, just drop dead at his desk one day, my my mind immediately goes to, that sounds a little shaky. And we and we have reason to believe that. It's not, it's not like that would be unusual. Um, and I'm not being cynical. I'm just saying, you know, these things happen. And, and this is a person who's, you know, taking power from a group of folks who've been running this thing for like a half a century or more. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't think so. But, but, I, but I think, I think um, it's a little more complicated than that. And, and again, we deal with it though. We definitely go head on and deal with it. Doctors are in their dot, uh, his friends and constituents, I mean, his friends and some of his, um, his uh, staff members 
contribute, you know, contributed to it. And, um, so, so we deal with it for sure. Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, witnessing that, that documentary when it comes here to UNLV. I'm really looking forward to that. Yes. Good. Cause we, we really uh, did. We do touch on that. Okay, good. Uh, explain the all jokes aside collective. Yeah. yeah. So the collective is I started out, I've had this weird roller coaster of a career, I call it. Well, actually not a career. I call it a series of jobs. So okay. I, I was in investments uh, at one point. When I first moved to Chicago, I came here for to work in the investment community. My boss was Chris Gardner, the guy who plays, uh, Will Smith plays him in a movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. Absolutely. And one day I, I had met a group of comedians that um, had befriended them and started to hang out with them and go to shows with them. And one day they asked me, would I be interested in helping them promote a show? Well, sales and marketing was my background. I thought, why not? You know, I'll help you. I'm, ha I'm happy to do that. Well, that turned into a full-time gig where I had to quit my day job. I call it joining the circus. And I went out on the road and started promoting, ended up opening clubs and um, did that for about a decade. And wow. at that time, we always had a social conscious about how can we leverage entertainment to affect social change and the collective is actually sort of picking the ball back up again saying okay we need this more than we've ever needed it before <laughs> given these crazy times we're living in right now so why don't we re um look at this and, and come together once again to uh, address some of these entrenched problems we find ourselves in or entrenched challenges i should say so that's what the collective okay. is and then, so tell us, you know, I mean, a little bit more about how you get into that through the collective. So, so we, and it's really, we really are just kicking it off now. So I actually had a good fortune of going to Dave Chappelle's show, but Dave was this Friday, several comedians that I had started with. I had booked Dave when he was 18 years old. So it was like, you know, how wow. long ago that was. Um, um, so, so we're just starting to have conversations around what is this going to look like? And how can you? How can we best leverage uh, all of our, given our time, given our uh, uh, ability to participate? And we, so it's really like a startup right now. So there is a website, alljokesaidcollective.org, and you can sort of follow what we're up to. But 2024 is going to be the big year where we launch a series of activities around um, the idea of using comedy as a uh, vehicle for change. Nice. Yeah. yeah and comedy yeah. is something that everybody's kind of op open to, right? For yes. sure. It's. Yep. I like a, to say a next way of to bringing everybody in. Next to preachers, I think com comedians are where people look to for, you know, unvarnished truth. Um, they, you know, that's where they, they, they believe in it because they know they're coming at them truthfully and honestly. Uh, a few of the few folks left that folks really believe in and, and trust in their words. So we, we, we want to use that for, for good. Nice. Yes. You mentioned the websites for the collective. Yes. Uh, what about the, uh, the, the documentary? So it's punch nine movie.com. And that's where you can see where we're screening. And we've been really selective. We're in conversations right now with a few uh, major distributors. We think it'll be released around June, widely released around June of 2024. Um, but we're selectively doing screenings throughout the country. And we've been um, from east to west. We've screened. We've developed a wonderful relationship 
organically, excuse me, with mayors. So especially um, there's been a prominent number of black mayors. We've been the, uh, let's see, where have we been? Four, four largest cities are now run by black mayors, which is historical, right? Right. Um, but we've Absolutely. also been to other cities like Montgomery and uh, Austin, Texas, and um, we participated in the U.S. Conference of Mayors. They want to be helpful, and that's mayors of all stripes. Um, wow. So, so it, we we think it's going to be um, we think it's going to be a really special time in 2024 to get the word out just ahead of this important election that we have coming up. Oh boy, you had to mention that, right? How how are you, I would imagine you're being received well in Chicago. Yes, we are. And that was the scary part for us because um everybody has a Harold Washington story. He was that type right. of person. And um everybody has a way in which they think the story should be told. Which is why I think it took 30 years to get it made. Um because mm-hmm. you just couldn't you know, the right right group of people and being able to navigate all those landmines uh, with his story um, is difficult. And we were able to do that, fortunately. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with, like, I'm not from Chicago, so I'm going to tell the story where I see it. Um, Joe is, of course. But um, it is, it is, we, we've got nothing but A's, which, which we didn't, we didn't, we were, we were concerned initially, but We've got great voices in the film that were there, the people who were actually there close to him. So it's hard to argue with uh, with those folks. But Harold's one of those people who everybody thinks he's their best friend. He's that person. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, so Absolutely. They, they, they have their way in which we should tell it. And, and then you bump into, you have to say to people, well, you have to, the movie has to be sold. Can't make it for free. And it ultimately has to find a home. So you have to give some concessions to um, the Hollywood powers that be to a certain extent. But we don't feel like we had to make many sacrifices at all. Or the only thing we had to do was cut it down to 100 minutes, which is like virtually <laughs> impossible. Uh, I understand. Yeah. Well, it's a difficult subject to, from the sen- from the sense that you know Chicago is a little bit different. I'm, I'm from Chicago. Oh wow! Also, okay. And, yeah, born and raised. Okay. And um, what's interesting is is that you know when people from outside of Chicago think, okay, it's a democratic stronghold, right? You know, and and it really is more complicated than that. Way more complicated. Yeah, even though Harold, of course, came up in the Democratic machine. So the beauty about him was is that he played the game. He knew how to play the game. He absolutely did. He was a master at it. Um, Right. That's a, and I've become friends actually with um, Jeff Epton, who's Bernie Epton's son. And, um, (laughs) you know, when I think, yeah, I, I mean, there are some Democrats that are as conservative as Bernie Epton was, a Republican. Right. And we saw that right. in this particular election. You saw which way that could go. Um, so, yeah, it's it's Democratic, but it's way more complicated than that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where did you say you're from? Uh, Wilmington, Delaware. Nice. Yep. yep. So I had a well, I got East Coast disposition about it. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. I understand. Delaware is where the president's from. Yes, sir. I'm from the same city, but two different sides of town. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, same interesting. city, for sure. You got anything you want to share with us on that one? Well, he's from, 
you know, if you think about Chicago, he would be from uh, Lincoln Park, and I'm from, um, I don't know, West Side, Austin, somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you see the difference? It's a, it's oh, a, I know the difference. Yes, yeah, sir. So it's a, it's a little bit of a difference in uh, location. Same city, different location. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very good. Yeah. Well, with uh, the what time we have left, sure. Raymond Lambert, what's one piece of advice you'd offer to your 20-year-old self? I'd say, and I'm actually working on a book, actually, about my experiences. And one of them, um, the idea of listening and, and listening more than, I'm, than you're talking. Um, embrace, um, I think, patience. The idea that it's going to take a while, you know, I, I tell the story about a gentleman that came to speak to our class and told us when we were graduating, I went to Morehouse College in Atlanta. Nice. And he said to us, it takes 10 years to be good at something. When you once you find what that thing is you want to be good at, it takes 10 years and it takes 20 years to be great at it. And I can remember right. thinking. What? We're already good at what we do. <laughs> We're going to be great in about two or three years. What are you talking about? And, and he's, it's very true. So it's like, be patient um, and take your time. It's going to get there. Just keep working and, and, and listen. Um, and that's, that's a constant conversation I have with my daughters, who I have a 17 and a 20-year-old. And, and that's, that's the big Congratulations. Thing. Thank you is just be patient. Don't You don't need to know by tomorrow. Just be patient, listen, and keep working. Absolutely. What was one of the first jobs you took out of college? I started out with Coca-Cola Company in, in the foods division, which a lot of people say Coca-Cola has foods. It's like, yes, all the Minute Maid products are, are Coca-Cola products. And I was in sales uh, for Coke right after, right after undergrad, which is a great way to learn. And I was based in Omaha, Nebraska. So, so you can imagine coming from Philadelphia area to Georgia, then to the middle of the country in Nebraska. Wow! It was it took some adjusting, but it was it was great though because people are people, and um, I found with mutual respect and and uh, and hard work and and listening as much as possible um, that it all kind of worked out. It was I had a great time in Omaha. That, that's how you got your start in marketing? Yes, that's where I started. I, what was your next step? So then I left, um, so I left Coke to go back to grad school at University of Virginia to get an MBA in uh, marketing and general management. Um, nice. And I got there and then I got interested in finance. And that's when I moved to New York to do that. Investments. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and, and in your investments, you yes. mentioned that. I was in uh, investment banking, spent about five years, including Chris. And that's when Chris recruited me to Chicago um, for his firm, which was just starting up at that time. So I was right there at the ground floor. I don't know if I made the right decision or not. If I should have stuck with him, why should I <laughs> join the circus? But, you know, when you're young, you think, um, and I'm glad I made the right decision, I think, for sure. But you, you, you think you got all the time in the world. Um, and uh, but it worked out. And you're comfortable in Chicago. You see any other cities in your future? What do you think? I think it's hard to beat this town. You know, I always think like 
man, maybe I'll go back east, you know, at some point. Because, I mean, literally in, in this business, New York and L.A. is where a lot is getting done. Uh, or the majority of this business happens in those two cities. Atlanta's coming up really strong behind it. But I think Chicago's still very busy, very, um, very, very strong and getting stronger in, in the arts. Um, so it's hard to beat it. I, I just, people complain about the weather. Um, but at this point, I'm used to it. So it's not like it's that big a deal, you know? But um, Just suck it up, huh? Yeah, I do. So, But I get it. Because I know when I visit Vegas, it's going to be sunny every day. I'm thinking, man, this, <laughs> it might be something to this, sunny every day, you know? But anyway, we'll see. I can't foresee it in the, fu- in the near future anyway. It's, it's, I always have something going on here in this town. It's just my adopted hometown. Understood. Well, I, I'm super excited about uh, seeing your documentary, Punch Nine, for Harold Washington, and uh, wish you the the greatest success on that. Thank you so much. We're, we're really excited. And we think in this time, and I'll just leave it at this with you, the idea that um, every generation has its responsibility for this democracy. And we're seeing that. It's like, it's not a given. It's, it's a constant battle. Um, it's a constant, it requires constant effort and dedication. It's not, it's not just something that just, is going to happen. And we think this film will stimulate some conversation around what that responsibility looks like. That's what's the exciting part for me. Yeah. Kind of uh, cause everybody to think about what uh, can be their role or responsibility. Huh? Yep. And we do, we can't, we can't, even with people like Harold Washington, it's like, he can't do everything. Right. You know what I mean? It's one person. It requires a coalition. It requires all of us who believe in, these democratic principles that we say we believe in to stand up and, and demand that these things take place. But that takes effort. That takes time. And, and that takes work. And um, we all have a role to play. Absolutely. Well, that's a perfect place to end. This has been amazing for me, Great. Raymond Lambert. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing with our listeners today. Thank you so much. And do I need to talk about where UNLV, what is it? Uh, November the 2nd. Okay. All right. Go right ahead. No, okay. go right ahead, please. Okay. November 2nd at UNLV Student Union Center. Um, the, the event is up on Eventbrite, uh, November 2nd, 6 p.m., walk-ups if uh, space allows. But you can register for the event. It's free. Um, so hopefully uh, we can get some folks out there and, and see this film. Absolutely. I'm registered. I'll be there. Great. I'm looking forward to meeting you. <laughs> Likewise. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Well, well. We hope you enjoyed that episode of the Just By My Vote podcast. We're looking forward to the next episodes. You can find the book at justbymyvote.com and feel free to follow us at justbymyvotepodcast.com for notification on upcoming podcasts and events. We thank you for the privilege of your time. And until next time, Just By My Vote.